0: Well, good morning, Cornerstone. It is so good to be in the house today. Oh my goodness! And I just want to say thank you to um, mom and dad just for your love and support for us just over the years. And um, man, I the the all the things that you taught me, I really cut my teeth here in ministry. And, uh, so those, uh, volunteers that I worked with, um, we were doing some right, some things right, and maybe some things not so right. And so forgive us if we ever stumbled and, but, uh, but mom, dad, you taught us discipline. What, what it looks like to love God and love your family and what it looks like to, um, give, give the Lord your all, but give your family your all. And so the example is unbelievable. What do you think? Cornerstone, what do you think? Come on. And, and Pastor Luke and Jen, oh my goodness, it's been an honor to serve with you guys and just see all the things that God is doing through you. Uh, we just flew Pastor Luke out last weekend. I was like, hey, can you preach for me? Boom. He, he, he did it and crushed it and just appreciated it and Cornerstone, my goodness. I just, I just want to look at y'all. I, I wish we were all having lunch together, and, um, and so it's an honor to be here, but I believe that God has given me a word, and uh, we're going to jump into 1 Samuel chapter 22, and I got to say, um, before I do, I have a reoccurring, I would say nightmare, and that is that I'm about to preach, and so, and it's usually here, Pastor Luke, it's here. It's at Cornerstone, and what it is, is I have no notes. I can't find a computer with all my files. I'll preach hundreds of sermons. They're all erased, and, there's, and, and worship is ending, and my father-in-law is about to call me up on stage, and I got nothing, and I'm standing before the people of Cornerstone, and so I, gotta, I just got to say, I printed my message before I got here. I printed it in Colorado. So so we're good. Okay. So but we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 22 and a little context. David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. He was appointed, but not yet walking out this appointment. He kills Goliath and marries the king's daughter. King Saul is the king. King Saul um he ends up getting jealous of David and wants to kill him. And sometimes I, I've wondered if my father-in-law has wanted to kill me, uh, working here as a youth pastor or, uh, in the dating process. And it wasn't just like, I want to kill you, like verbally kill you. I want to kill you as in dead kill you. And so, um, so this is what's going on. And he runs to Gath. This is David, Runs to Gath, which is crazy because it was actually the city that Goliath was from. So he is not welcome in Israel. He's on the run and he now finds himself literally in the city that Goliath is from. And so he's like, hey, can I hang out here? And they're like, aren't you the one? No, you. And so he begins to act crazy. And the Bible talks that he, he acts insane, and um, the Philistines believed if you killed somebody who was insane, that same spirit would get in you, so they didn't want to kill him. So he just took off, and he found himself in a cave. This is where we pick up the story, and it says this in verse 1. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all the other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming. Men who were in trouble and debt were discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. Later, David went to Mizpah in Moab where he asked the king, please allow my father and mother to live here until I know what God is going to do for me. That could be a sermon right there. So David's parents stayed in Moab um, with the king during the entire time David was living in the stronghold. We'll get back to that word in a minute. Here David is, and he is anointed to be a king. He, he's been called by God. He's been anointed by the prophet of Israel to be the next king, but he finds himself in a cave. He's anointed to be king. Now he's hiding in a cave. God's put something on the inside of him, and he finds himself nowhere near what he feels like God's placed on the inside of him. And he he finds himself in this place called the cave of Adullam. And the cave of Adullam, I, I really think represents the middle. It represents the back burner. Have you ever felt like your life was put on the back burner? You're in a situation that you're in the middle and God has put something in your heart or your mind and you're like, man, this is nowhere near what I see. I feel like God wants me to be a father or a mother, but I have no kids yet. I believe that God wants me to start a business, but I'm broke right now. I'm in the middle of a situation and I thought it was gonna happen faster. Have you ever felt that before? I thought it was gonna come sooner. I thought restoration was gonna come quicker. I thought this situation was gonna happen a little faster. And this is David. He's in the middle. He's in the, he's on the back burner. You know, the middle I think could represent a place of learning. There's a lot of things to learn, but I think it can also represent confusion. Like I think when when you feel like God's put something on the inside of you, who you're to be, but you keep stumbling or you keep finding yourself not there, you keep finding yourself sinning again, and you're like, man, this isn't who, I, who I'm supposed to be. It can be a place of confusion. And I can remember um, dating Hannah. By the way, I can also remember we were sitting in the living room just, just this past week. And I can remember it's the same living room I came into to ask if I could date your daughter. And I can remember what he said. He says, well, does she want to date you? I don't know. I I, I, I hope so. <laughs> and so I can remember, I can remember pursuing Hannah and uh, her dad was like, hey, he's from, you know, he's kind of, uh, so I grew up in Fenton and now we're, you know, in Oklahoma and we're going to college at Oral Roberts University. I saw an ORU shirts somewhere over here. Um, but anyways, we went to ORU and, sh- and he's probably like, hey, this boy's from Fenton. There's some other boys out there that you could be dating. And so Hannah and I's relationship was like, we were dating and then she would dump me and then we were dating and then she would dump me and all these kind of things. And in college, I can remember we're dating. And I I remember telling, this is really embarrassing to say, I don't recommend it. I'm just telling you what I said. I'm telling you the way I felt kind of embarrassed to say this. I'm actually kind of nervous right now. But I, I said to a friend, this is no joke. I said, now this is a kid going to Bible college, okay? I'm going to Bible college. And I said this to a friend. I said, I know I'm going to marry Hannah as much as I know that I'm saved. I don't, see, see what I'm saying? I don't advise that. And um, so that's great. That's great. It's great until she dumps me and then what do you do? Like, I'm sorry, the Lord said, you're marrying me anyways. We're getting married. No, that doesn't really work. You get thrown in jail for stuff like that. And so, um, but it was a, it was a time of confusion. I thought we were going to be together and, and I was confused. Have you ever been there before where the place you're at is not What's happening in the natural is not matching what you feel God has placed on the inside of you. That relationship situation, that financial situation, that sin issue, and you're like, man, what is going on? You can feel confused. You can feel confused about who you are. And I want to talk to somebody today. And you're called but you feel like you're in a cave. And, and I, one thing I've learned is you can be winning in one area and in a cave in another area. Like you can be crushing it in the business world and you can be in a cave relationally. You could be successful here, but in a cave. And I want to talk to somebody you feel called, but you, your, your exterior circumstances is a cave. And I want to say this, the outcome of the cave depends on you. You guys ready? Here's the title today, Keep the Crown On, in the cave. Keep the crown on in the cave. See, without the view of the crown in your cave, why keep trying? Have you felt like that before? Why keep trying? Why keep the diet? Why keep personal growth? Why keep saving? Why keep reading your Bible? You gotta keep the crown on in the cave. And I wanna give you a few thoughts here today. Number one is this, see the cave as training and not a trap. See, if you're, in a, if you're in a cave season, what do you do? Well, you got to see the cave is training and not a trap. Now, here's a question. What do you do when you feel trapped? Like physically, what would you do? You like freak out, right? If you felt, it, this sounds like a horror movie, okay? So you're trapped, and if you're trapped, you, you're going to freak out. I can remember my dad, um, he was, he was on the Genesee County Sheriff's Department, the dive team. And so he I grew up around scuba diving and he's like, Jacob, do you want to go scuba diving? I was like, Yeah, that was awesome. I was probably around your age, Ethan, and I was like, Dad, that'd be amazing. Let's go scuba diving and and I said, Dad, there's only one problem, it's winter. And he said, yeah, that's great. We're going to bring the chainsaw. We're going to cut a hole in the ice and you're going to just jump in the hole and we're going to go scuba diving. I'm like, dad, I don't understand this. This sounds crazy. And he's like, yeah, it's great. They're going to tie a rope around you and you'll be fine. And so, so I said, okay, dad, we'll do, we'll go. And so I, we, we went there. They literally cut, took a chainsaw, cut a hole in the ice. They tied a rope around you and they just threw you in the hole. Now, the thing about ice diving is when you look up, it all looks the same. Like, you can't see the hole. You could be, if the hole was right above here, you could be right here and not see the hole. It's just the way it is. And so, so there, there's this guy, and now I'm in a rope, and if you, like, pull it once, it's like, give me more slack. Pull it twice, it's like, you know, take the slack out, pull three times, I'm freaking out. Get me out of here. And you know, if this guy drops the rope, I'm dead. It's over. I'm done. And I can remember, you know, my face is freezing. I'm cold. I'm freaking out. You've been in a situation where you're like, get me out of here. Have you been there before? And that's that's what I was doing. I was like, I ain't having fun. Get me out of here. Of here And in Psalms chapter 142, we actually get a glimpse of David in the beginning days of the caves of Adullam. Now, Psalms, is, it's not written in chrono, chronological order. And so this is actually David writing about the caves of Adullam, writing from the caves of Adullam. And he says this, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him. And tell him all my troubles. That word cried out in Hebrew means to shriek from anguish or fear. Here's the new King Jacob version. He's freaking out. And in verse three, it says, when I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. And I look for someone to come and help, but nobody gives me a passing thought. No one will help me, and no one cares a bit about what happens to me. See, in the beginning days of the cave of Adullam, David saw the cave as a trap. He saw it as a trap. He saw it as a place, and you can hear him him starting to freak out in these beginning verses of Psalms 142. He's shrieking in really fear in this moment. I don't, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes your kids can freak out if you like turn the TV off or ask them to turn their phones in. Have you ever experienced this before? How many parents do we have in here? Okay, now I know you all are a little holier here than in Colorado, but like, so when you ever take their phone or tell them to get off video games, what do they do? They, yeah, they, they freak out. You guys are paying attention. Come on, this is good. They're like freaking out and they say something like, "Dad, what am I going to do?" They they'll they'll come upstairs, turn the phone in, and they're just kind of like walking around the house like, "Dad, what am I going to do?" I don't know. Maybe like do what kids have done for thousands of years. Go outside. Play. Well, what am I? What, what am I going to play with? I don't even care. Out of the house. See, you, you, you can tell this is like a little nerve with me. I mean, <laughs> and so they they usually we kick them off, and and uh, I don't know, maybe thirty minutes later, an hour later, you start to hear laughter, and. What, what they were complaining about. Now they're, now they're laughing. They found something to do. My son is building like all these little things and like art projects and you tell him to do art project. No. Hang out with your dad. No. Go outside. No. But after about an hour, you start to hear something different. And it's what I want you to get. It's not until the perspective changes until they start enjoying life. Let me say it another way. There's something vital in the cave that is critical to the crown. There's something for you to grab a hold of in the cave. There's some, it's it's not just about enduring hardship. There's something that God has for you in the cave season. There's something that God had for David in the cave season. I want to teach for a little bit. The cave was referred to as a stronghold in verse four. And that word stronghold in Hebrew was three letters. M S D vowels were added a thousand years later to help us pronounce these words. And so the word, when you add the vowels is Masada. And I want to thank Dr. Ron Cottle who has been at Cornerstone for this awesome insight here. But, Masada is referred to as a stronghold or a fortress, specifically referring to a briefing room where generals come together and strategize for war. It's like a council chamber. And so what is the cave for you? What, what's going on in the cave season for you? And if it's a Masada, it's a stronghold. It's a fortress in our trouble, in our trauma, in our testing. It's a time to develop a stronghold of God where we can rely on the very foundation of the word of God in our life. This is Masada. It's a stronghold. I know that God has that for you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what what you're dealing with. It can be a stronghold. It could be this council chamber. But if you change just one letter, it it, it means, Masuda, it means a snare or a trap. And I want you to know that the cave can be, it can be dangerous because it can be a place where you give up. It can be a place where the, the things that God has created you to be, the, the mother that he's called you to be, that father he's called you to be, to raise godly kids, to love God, to serve in the house of God, to do the thing he's called you to do. It's many times in the cave, if you see the cave as a trap, it's a place where dreams can go to die. But I want you to know that there's something vital in the cave that's critical to the Crown, and for David for David, what was vital was, would he love and trust people again? I want you to imagine for a second, let 's just say David um, went to his first counseling session. OK, so just imagine with me for a second, David, he goes into a counselor 's office, and the stereotypical the guy he 's got a beard, he 's got his coffee, his notebook, and he 's sitting in his really comfortable chair. And he says, um, David's your name, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, David, as we get to know each other, would you just tell me a couple things that maybe we, you think we might need to work on? And David says, okay. Yeah, let's, let's go there. Okay. Um, well, for starters, with the most important moment of our family's history, the the prophet was going to come and anoint one of our one of my brothers or me to be king, the next king, my father didn't even see me as a son to bring me to the anointing process. Then he goes, then I was anointed to be the next king, and then I went to fight Goliath, and I I fight Goliath, and I win. It's this amazing thing, and then the the king, my father-in-law, wants to kill me. Again, understand sometimes. But like he wants, he wants to kill me and I'm, I'm running for my life. And and my brother-in-law, my, my, my brothers, they, they spoke down on me. And, and he would just go through all these things. And I think the counselor would say something like, okay, we're going to need more than four sessions. So we're going to have to extend this to like, uh, maybe every week for the rest of your life. I think it's going to be a little bit more like what this is going to look like. But for David... He had to learn to love and trust people again. He had to find compassion for people. If he was going to be the king of Israel, it was going to be critical to his calling. And here's what I want you to know. The enemy is trying to kill you in the very thing that God wants to do through you. And so maybe somebody in here, you've been mistreated by people. A leader has hurt you. You've gone through financial hardship. You've had a broken family. I want you to know David was hurting from hurting people. It's hurting people that hurt people. And I want you to know David was hurting, but what God was doing is, is hey, is this gonna be a trap where the dream goes to die? Or is this gonna be a stronghold where you learn to trust in me, where you learn to look to me, where you learn to see what I see? This is what David was going through, because if David was going to lead a nation, if he was going to be a king, a man after God's own heart, he was going to have to have some things healed. It wasn't just a trap. This was training. This was a council chamber. This was strategizing for war. This was a moment, an incubation process where he was going to come out different. David, he's, he's in this cave, but something's about to shift. Something's about to change. Let's check this out in verse 5, Psalms 142. David says this, then I, I pray to you, O Lord, I say, watch this, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. This is such a powerful principle. Number two is this, seek God's character over your calling see God's character over your calling. You know what you want to do in a cave season is you tend to want to just know what God is going to do for you. God, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to get me out of this situation? How fast are you going to get me out of this situation? God, it's almost like a kid in a car ride on a road trip. Are we there yet? And that's kind of what we're like if we don't see a cave season the right way and we seek just the hand of God, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to give me strategy? How, what's the quickest way out of this thing? And I think the second thing that, that David was learning is to seek the character over the calling. Yes, he was called to be the future king, but what God was saying is I want you to grab a hold of my character. I want you to grab a hold of my heart, not just my hand. See, it's dangerous to make life decisions in a storm. And I've seen it all the time. As a pastor, I've, see, I've seen this. You know, they're, they're in a cave cave season, a, con- confusion, a confusing season, and they want to change everything in their life. They're not thinking straight. Back to the story of Hannah breaking up with me one of the multiple times. And I remember I'm in college, and, okay, Bible college kid, said, I know I'm going to marry her as much as I know I'm saved. Again, don't recommend it. I'm embarrassed to say it. I was, I was like, sh- I was shattered. I was, I cried. This is no joke. I, cr- I cried myself to sleep for three months straight. And I had a roommate. <laughs> and my roommate's there just chilling. It was like, you know, I'm just in the background. <laughs> I was just like trying to hide it though. And like soaking my pillow. I'm crying. I'm devastated. Maybe some of you were like that. You're in a cave season and it's not going well. And you're crying yourself to sleep. There's, there's a lot of internal pain and you're like, you're, you God. When are you going to move? And honestly, that's what I was saying. God, what are you doing? When are you going to move? what's going on? And then I grabbed a hold of Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. And this is one of those passages that call you to trust in the the heart of God, the character of God, more than the hand of God. And I remember reading this verse, crying myself to sleep every night, and I read this verse and it changed my life forever. And this is the verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. I love the part of this is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Watch this. Lean not into your understanding. That part is key because you can trust in the Lord and still need an answer. You can trust in the Lord and still demand these things, but that's not the trust in the Lord that God is calling you to trust in, him, him in. He's saying, I want you to trust me so much to the point that you don't even care if you know the answer. Wow. That's next level. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does that mean? Well, it means to not know why. not know how. Not know all the answers. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, He'll direct your path. And I remember I just began to grab a hold of that verse and it changed my life forever. Couple thoughts: when you're in a cave, trust God with everything. As I said, don't make major life decisions in a moment of confusion. Focus on developing the heart of God over seeking the hand of God. And what David was said saying is, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want. And this is the switch David was going from. God, what are you going to do for me? This is all the things that are happening to me. To God, you are all I really want. And I wonder if there's anybody that would trust God enough to say, you are all that I really want. Because listen, the power of God flows from the pursuit of the character of God. When you pursue the character of God, you're going to grab a hold of some verses. You're going to grab a hold of some things. God's power is going to be unleashed in your life. But if you're always just seeking the direction of God and where are we going and what are we doing, but you're not internally transforming to be who God has called you to be, to be like Christ, love, joy, peace, patience. If you ain't working on those things, you're going to lack a power of God on the inside of your life. See, again, the power of God flows from the pursuit of the character of God. This is the heart over the hand. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 22, and let's pick up one more thought. Here it is. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives, as we read this earlier, joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble, in debt, who were discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. You know, it's, it's really interesting. David, what he needed was an army. David, what he, what, what he wanted was to lead a nation, and God was like, great, I'll give you 400 people who are broke. How's that? <laughs> wow. So here David is. This is, this is what, he, what he has. But it would be so easy for him to start reflecting those around him. He's in a cave. God, woe is me! Why'd you, why are you doing this to me? And all the people around you—they're complaining. They're—they're they're struggling. They're in trouble. I—I I don't know. Trouble, debt, discontented. That sounds like some crazy guys. Number three is this: bring the culture of the crown in the cave. Bring the culture of the crown in the cave. This was an opportunity. Was David going to pick up the cave culture or was it going to be the crown culture? Was it going to be kingdom culture? See, cave culture is trying to attach to your life in every season at all times. It's trying to attach to your marriage, it's trying to attach to your family situation, to your business, to your leadership. To all these types of things. And this is, let me read this again. Verse 4 of Psalms 142. I look for someone to come and help me, but nobody gives me a passing thought. No one's going to help me. No one cares a a bit about what happens to me. David's saying, I don't have what I need. Everyone's against me. No one's going to help me. Well, that's not true. There were 400 people with you. You see... The cave culture is going to try to grip your heart and your life. And God says, hey, you're in a cave, but I called you to bring the culture of the crown right in your situation. I've called you to take who you're going to be and bring who you're going to be to your situation right now. Crown culture, kingdom culture. This is how you begin to transform situations. And some scholars say that Psalms 23 was written in the caves of Adullam whether it was actually written in the case of, du- of Adullam or it was written later, either way, watch his culture, what he was saying in Psalms 142 and what he's saying in Psalms 23. Again, not in chronological order, but watch, watch what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. That's not what he said in Psalms 142. He was saying, I don't have what I need. Everybody's against me. Woe is me? This is horrible. Now he's saying, I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. If you read the life of David, he was almost never in peaceful situations. He renews my strength. He guides me along right past, bringing honor to his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, wow. That's, that's crown culture. That's kingdom culture. What is, you might be in a cave, but what is the culture of the crown? I think one is live your life to serve other people. Like live your life to serve other people. That's what the crown looks like. Because if you're going to live God's culture, it's going to involve serving other people. It's not just about you and your world. Another one is peace over anxiety. That's kingdom culture. And I want a little bit more of that in my life. I think America could use a little bit more. Hello, somebody. But it's going to start with us. Hello? And so peace over anxiety. This this might not be American culture, but this is kingdom culture. Another one is God confidence even when I don't understand. So I can still have confidence in the Lord even when I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. Another one is this, is build with what you have, not what you wish you had. This is really, really huge. Listen, he started with 400 men, but the Bible talks about how he took 400 men who were trouble, in debt, in discontent, and went from 400 to over 300,000. You can read this in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. It says this, day after day, more men joined David until he had a great army like the army of God. And it talks about numbers in that passage right there. But what I want you to know is that David had to build with what he had, not what he wished he had. He wished he had an army. He wished he had all the treasury of the kingdom. He wished he had all the people on his side. But what he did do is he started with what he had. He started with what God gave him. He started with what God put in his hand to do what God had called him to do. I want to say, don't let your environment dictate the culture that you bring. So how are you going to do this? Well, I want you to know that Jesus, he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's with you. How are you going to do this? This is the best part. I'm closing right now. This is the best part. How how are you going to live with the culture of the crown? How are you going to live your life this way. How's it going to happen? Well, the answer is the king is in the cave. The king is in the cave. I'm not talking about David. I'm talking about Jesus is in the cave. The king of kings, the lord of lords, the one who is above your situation, above that relational thing, above that financial thing, above what you thought was a failure you couldn't get over. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is in the cave. How do you bring kingdom culture in the cave? It's because Jesus is in the cave. He's there with you. He's got you. And I want to I encourage somebody here today to grab a hold of this kingdom culture. So here's a question as I close, is where in your life have you put the crown down? Where in your life have you put the crown down? You're in a cave, I know. But don't let go of the crown in the cave. Don't let go of the king's culture, who you're really called to be. The mother, the father, that sin that keeps kind of trying to grab you. Where have you put the crown down? You panicked. You started freaking out. You got bitter. You stopped being grateful. I just want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes here today. I just want to stay right here in this moment. And maybe there's somebody here and, and you would say, I need to pick the crown back up. I need, to, I need to put the crown back on. The thing that God has called me to be. I've, I've set it down. There's situations where maybe I'm in a cave and a little bit of the cave culture is creeping in, but I want to I wanna fight for the king's culture. If that's you, I just, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to fight for the king's culture in the cave. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let the cave culture attach to your situation. The king is in the cave. Freedom is in the cave. It's there for you. It's available for you. Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for setting us free. I thank you for my friends. Who are raising their hands to say, God, we want to put the crown back on. We want to put your culture on. We want to, we may be in a cave in a situation, but God, we're not going to let go of who you've called us to be, who you've created us to be, who you want us to be. And so even in the cave, we're going to reflect you. We're going to look like you. We're going to talk like you. We're going to believe like you. We're going to see the impossible that you've called us to see. God, we love you. We honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Transform us. Lord, I thank you that you are transforming us, not the cave transforming us. That the power is in you, not in this world. We're not going to succumb to the pressures of this world. We're going to be transformed by you. In Jesus' name, with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, maybe there's somebody here and if you were honest before the Lord, you'd say, I'm not right with God today. Well, good news, you are in the right place today. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And if there's somebody here, I need to get right with God today. I'm telling you, you got a whole church that's going to be celebrating with you. But if that's you, I need to get right with God today. I want to have sins forgiven. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Maybe those of you online, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Any, anybody else, thank you, Jesus. Church, would you pray this prayer after me? Pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. From this moment on, I choose to follow you. And I want to honor you with my life. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to forgive me of my sins. And I want to honor you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's all stand. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Isn't that great? That's just awesome. That was a great word, wasn't it? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.